the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. This is Attorney Bob Bergman broadcasting from my office in San Jose, California, in the Cambrian Park neighborhood, and host of Plan Your Estate Radio, as the intro indicated. I have uh, a number of things I'm going to cover today. I think the first thing is to uh, let you all know that if you are interested in uh, picking up a petition or two for uh, to put an initiative on the ballot to repeal property tax reassessment for certain family transfers, which was the second half of Proposition 19 that was passed by the voters, um, deceptively advertised and passed by the voters back in November of 2020. I do have a number of those petitions. You could uh, call my office at 408-247-0444 to see if I'm available for you to swing by and pick up one or more of those petitions so that you can distribute them to family and friends and co-workers and get their signatures. Uh, instructions uh, come on the petition itself. So uh, you, you want to make sure that you follow exactly what it says when distributing. Um, but I do have those. I may actually be setting up a uh, a, a box outside my office where you could just come by and pick up one or two uh, without me being there or do it after work or on the weekend. Uh, My office is at 3535 Ross Avenue, Suite 308 in San Jose, uh, Ross near Hillsdale in San Jose. And so I'm going to try and make those available um, either later today or sometime tomorrow so that you can come by and pick one up. Second thing to announce is I'm doing an estate planning workshop here in April. And uh, that's not a joke, uh, even though today is, by my calendar, April 1st. That's not an April Fool's joke at all. This is for real. I'm doing uh, one of my estate planning workshops again on Saturday April 23rd, starting at 9 o'clock and going till about 10.30. It could go a little bit sooner, a little bit later, depending on questions and comments from people who come to the workshop. If you're interested, uh, it's been well-received, the the last four that I've done. And uh, right now, I only have 30 spaces available, but I may expand that if there is high demand. 
you can go to my website at lawbob.com and go to the top of the page and click on the link for workshops and seminars. And then you will see a description of the workshop and then a button that you can click on that will take you to Eventbrite where you can actually register. You can register for one or more people to attend. You could have, I think I have it set to maybe up to eight. So if you have a large family group attending, you could register once for all of you. And um, you can also just go straight to Eventbrite and search for Estate Planning Workshop on April 23rd. And you can find it advertised there as well. Even if you guest type in Estate Planning Workshop, you're, you're going to find my listing in there somewhere and you could register that way as well so that's coming up here in april just a few weeks from now and uh, if you missed the previous ones i've had and you've been meaning to do this now's your chance because it's coming back around here in april okay so let's go ahead and get started today uh, with my usual format of plan your state radio and what I'm going to be doing here is relating to you questions, comments, and situations from around the state of California. Give, give the situation and then also uh, turn around and give my analysis, my legal analysis as an attorney um, to kind of uh, give a sense of, of um, how I might handle the situation that uh, that the people are being faced with. Okay, now here's one. This is actually a, a pretty common situation, and I see it a lot when people come to me and, uh, and they often uh, bring in uh, a trust that was prepared by a family member, um, and we find out that the family member actually took and, and uh, took their trust and made writing on it and crossed things out, maybe wrote new things in, all sorts of stuff like that. There are some real issues with doing that, and that's what I'm going to talk about now. In this case, it came out of Santa Rosa, and the person said, an attorney made some amendments to my father's trust. There are over 15 mistakes in the amendments, but the attorney told my father, quote, just cross it out, Spell names correctly, fill in the date, initial and date next to the errors. I find this to not only be sloppy, but intentional. As this attorney expressed, they did not want to exclude a trifling and dishonest yet brain-damaged sibling from being a co-executor. Our father's ready to fire the attorney and not play for shoddy work. What are his rights? I would say, actually, you have a right to get what you paid for. And uh, the attorney should be going back and saying, I'm so sorry that I did such a poor job with your work there. I will make corrections to everything and provide you with the correct paperwork so that you, um, you can execute documents that are accurate and that reflect what your wishes are. And uh, I don't know that I would expect to pay an attorney that has done something like this. I mean, if this person follows this advice, they run a real risk 
of having the amendments challenged later on, especially if they're changing things like distributions or who's in charge of something, because you just scratched something out and wrote it in by hand. Never a good idea to make handwritten corrections to a legal document of any kind, and especially not an estate planning document. I find that to be a, a very bad idea, and and I would say to go back and demand that it be done correctly. Okay, this is a fairly straightforward one, although to follow through on it might be a little bit complicated for somebody. Person said, I had to get a tax ID number for my mother's trust, which is likely because the, the mother had passed away. When applying for the ID number, I marked estate instead of trust. How can I get that changed? You know, I'll bet that happens a lot because people are applying for a tax ID number. And one of the things you can say is estate. It's like, well, okay, the person has an estate. That's what I'll apply for. But then there's another one that says trust or an irrevocable trust. So how do you per, how do you change this? You actually need to write to the Internal Revenue Service, explain that it should be trust instead of estate, give the particulars for that, and then wait for them to update their records to reflect what it should actually say. Do not apply for another EIN because that's just going to confuse matters. You might want to talk with an accountant about helping you uh, contact the IRS to make this change because I'm sure that they do that uh, every now and then. Okay, we're coming up on the first break of the show today. When we come back, I will continue with more Plan Your Estate Radio. This is your host, estate planning attorney, Bob Bergman, and I'll talk with you on the other side of the break. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney, Bob Bergman, on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back to the show. So I'm going to continue with more questions and comments from around the state of California here in the second segment of our show today. And here's one out of Fresno, California. Looks like it came through just yesterday. Can I make decisions on where my sister lives when I have, um, I'm her dedicated caregiver and guardian? She moved into my home in September of 2019. It says, I picked up my sister from her son's house in September of 2019. Her son could not care for her. My sister had a stroke, which left her paralyzed on her right side and mute. She can't speak, but she understands and can sign her own name. I quit my job to care for her full time on um, May of last year, and I now receive uh, income uh, to care for her for that purpose. I have an advance directive signed by notary public and a statutory form of power of attorney. I assume he means that were executed by his sister. I would like her to remain living here with me because it's in her best interest and care. Do I have authority to make that decision if it comes down to it? Well, if she did grant you an advance directive and a statutory form power of attorney, <clears throat> then that's probably all that's needed 
for you to actually make those decisions for your sister, including where she lives, how her money is handled, and things like that. So I would say that could very well be the case, that there's actually uh, there's actually sufficient uh, sufficient ability right there to to uh, to do that or to make those decisions for your sister. That would be my take on that. Okay. Let's see. Um, all right. So here is a question out of Los Angeles from yesterday as well. I'm seeking legal counsel to claim the assets of my mother's estate. As far as I know, she had a Charles Schwab brokerage account without any designated beneficiary worth about $700,000 to $750,000. Schwab requires letters testamentary in order to transfer these assets. Mother had formed a trust for which I am the successor trustee. My aunt, my mother's sister, is deemed the recipient of 25% of the assets while I'm to get the remainder of the assets. However, my mother's written wish was that my aunt not receive more than $50,000 from her estate. To the extent it's a worthy case, I'd like to ensure my mother's wish is granted. Okay, so let's talk about this. It says, uh, Mom had a last will and testament, an assignment of property... Um, the question in my mind is, since it has no beneficiary designated, does the assignment of property executed by the mother uh, include this Schwab account on it? Or is there a schedule of assets that identifies this Schwab account? If that's the case, then a petition to the court under probate code section 850, which is a Hegstat petition, and if you've been listening for any length of time, you've heard me talk about Hegstat petitions. Um, this person could petition the court to have that Schwab account declared part of the mother's trust so that it could be handled as part of the mother's trust and uh, more easily distributed because of that. However, um, the, the, an issue that arises here is, is it in fact... Um, covered by the mother's trust or not. And that would depend on whether or not there actually is written evidence that she intended that account to be part of her trust. And it's very, very hard to tell uh, from this information here whether that, in fact, is the case. Uh, definitely hard to tell whether that's the case. So what I would uh, suggest to someone like this is you probably want to uh, see an attorney and have all the paperwork reviewed to see if, in fact, you could use the Hegstat petition procedure to get that, um, that Schwab account turned over to the mother's trust. If the mother's trust says in it, uh, my sister gets 25%, but not more than $50,000, well, then you would go by... 50,000 because 25% of seven or $750,000 is clearly more than $50,000. So, but again, it all comes down to the paperwork. What does the trust say? What does the will say? Is there any other written evidence of intent that this account be part of the mother's trust? 
the assignment of property might identify it either specifically or may identify it by category, such as brokerage accounts. Uh, And there may be a schedule of assets that identifies it specifically, which would be even more powerful than just a general assignment of assets. Okay, um, from Anaheim, California, from yesterday. My father passed away, had a revocable trust that he has his assets in. He had other assets that have a beneficiary and are not included, which is true. Um, But his other assets not included in the trust ownership is more than $166,250, so we're not able to get a small estate affidavit. That is the the threshold dollar amount for actually... um, for actually using the affidavit of small estate. He had a life insurance through his employer for my mother, and he was the beneficiary on her policy. She tried to change the policy to her name as an individual policy and assign a different beneficiary, but the life insurance company is telling her she has to go to a probate court and get a letter of, of administration or letters testamentary, something like that. Can we get that letter without having to go through the probate court? Can we get the life insurance policy to her name without having to go to the probate court? Well, I'll tell you what, if the insurance company is saying you have to go to probate court, you have to go to probate court because they're not going to turn it over unless you do. That's just kind of the reality of what's being described right here. Um, So that would be kind of a short answer right there. Uh, yeah, you kind of have to go to probate court. There's really no way around that if they're not going to give you the money otherwise. Okay, let's check one more here. or We're kind of coming up to about a minute left. Um, let's see, I'll hold off. I'm going to hold off until after the second break here to go with more questions and comments. Um, let me just want to, re- I want to reiterate here that um, I have um, become a place where you can pick up petitions for uh, the initiative to repeal Proposition 19. You can call my office at 408-247-0444 and see if I'm here to pick one up. I plan on putting them in a, uh, a box outside my office so you could pick one up that way. But I'll talk a little bit more about that later on in the show. Uh, so... In the meantime, here is the mid-show break, and I will be back to you on the other side of the break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. I'm going to continue with more questions and comments from around the state of California. And let me go with um, this one here out of Los Angeles. The person said, uh, okay, I was told that I'm on my father's power of attorney, but I never signed any documents about that. How can I obtain copies of the documents? Well, that's 
kind of interesting. There, there's no real way to obtain copies of legal documents dealing with estate planning unless the person that actually uh, created the documents and signed them chooses to give you a copy of that document. Um, if someone was named as an agent on a power of attorney by a parent, I would hope that the parent would have given them a copy of that document so that they'd know, number one, um, that uh, it's something that they've been named on, and number two, so they'd know that uh, now they have things that they might need to do in the future. It, it, it's very strange to me that someone would be asking a question like this. At the same time, I do know that um, people don't always give information to their family members, even though they should give information to their family members. Uh, so with that in mind, it's, it's possible that, uh, that uh, this person wasn't given anything and maybe the parent didn't even think they had to. They figured it was going to be automatic if they needed the, the child to take over and handle things, but it, it literally doesn't work that way. There's, there's nothing automatic about someone taking over uh, using a power of attorney or taking over as trustee of a trust if the person who created the power of attorney or created the trust becomes incapacitated or passes away for that matter. So um, it's kind of a strange situation. I would suggest to this person, um, you know, if the parent's still alive, talk with the parent about it. If the parent is no longer alive, then the being named on the parent's power of attorney doesn't matter anymore because the power of attorney is no longer in effect. It's no longer legally in effect because the parent had died. So here's one out of Fresno, and this one is kind of perplexing to me. Um, here's the situation. person says, I was named as a beneficiary in my aunt's living trust in 2016. Other families not listed as beneficiaries have contested the trust. The trustee of the trust hired an attorney. I was recently told those contesting the trust were granted a judgment in their favor. As a beneficiary, should I have received court documents detailing the ruling? In cases like this, who's responsible for dispensing the assets to the beneficiaries? Here's where I'm a bit perplexed because if a trust was being contested in the court, then that means literally everybody who's named as a beneficiary of that trust is entitled to be given notice of that court action so that they can um, they can appear themselves if they want to and say, uh, oh, you're contesting the trust? Well, my response is, taint so, taint so. Uh, the trust is valid and I'm resisting you. Uh, at the very least, they if they're concerned about it, they should be involved. They should go to hearings or become part of hearings so that at least they know what's going on. Um, there, There is no specific um, requirement that another beneficiary of the trust who does not show up in court uh, automatically gets a copy of the ruling. If If you're concerned about what the ruling was, you can always go to the court uh, look up the case number that you should have been provided at the very beginning when you were given notice of the um, the matter being filed. Uh, look it up and you can get a copy of the ruling yourself. Um, but 
whoever is responsible for dispensing the assets, it's still going to be the trustee of the trust unless the trustee was somehow removed by the court. There's nothing here that says that the trustee was removed by the court, so I don't know that that would be an issue. Uh, But still, it's kind of surprising to me when I see things like this because um, there, if you don't show up in court when some when there's a court case going on, you don't necessarily have any right to find out what happened about the case later on. Uh, if this person really wanted to know what's going on, they would have appeared in the matter themselves, either by themselves or with an attorney representing them, so that so that they would be involved or that an attorney acting on their behalf would be involved uh, every step of the way, and they would have to be kept informed about what was happening every step of the way. Uh, But other than that, there's no particular requirement that the other beneficiaries be notified what happened with that court case. Uh, Presumably, they will find out when distributions start coming, and, and an explanation will be forthcoming from the trustee when everything gets distributed. Okay. um, So out of Los Angeles from a few days ago, if my mother has a limited power of attorney on only one of my bank accounts that is in my name only, am I able to withdraw my money at my own liberty without her signature on that account? I say yes, since I'm the legal owner in sound mind. Is it true that a power of attorney does not give give up the account owner's rights in any way other than giving someone else the authority to withdraw money from the account? Yes, that's correct. Um, this is why I advise people, if you want your child, for example, to be able to take money out of your bank account to pay bills for you or go to the store and buy things for you or whatever it is, then give them power of attorney authority over the account. Um, Do not make them a co-owner with you of the account. A power of attorney can be revoked at any time, so the authority can be revoked by the principal, that's the person who granted the power, at any time. And uh, and and you can tell you can direct your agent, uh, you know, go to the bank, get me one hundred dollars, come back. I need one hundred dollars for the weekend. Okay, fine. But if you put them on as a co-owner, that means that they literally could take a hundred percent of the money out, spend it on themselves if they wanted to. And and there's really nothing you could do about it after the fact because you made them an owner with you. Now, someone with a power of attorney could do the same thing, but if you have a power of attorney granted, you actually have legal obligations to the person who granted the power to not take monies and use it for your own purpose and your own benefit. So there's actually stronger sanctions against someone appointed as an agent on an account with signing authority and withdrawal authority than someone put on as a co-owner. Because co-ownership means, hey, I'm an owner too. What are you complaining about if I took everything out and bought myself a new stereo or a new computer or something? Hey, or a new car for that matter. Uh, You put me on as a co-owner. You basically gave me control of the property uh, and you made me a co-owner, which means that 
I have just as much right to it as you do. That's not what parents intend when they add a child to the title. And I've seen this where the parent will add one of, say, three children to the title of a bank account so that that child can easily access the funds. And then the parent dies and that one child says, well, this is mine. Everything left in mom's bank account belongs to me because I'm a co-owner. And you know what? Legally, they're right. That's probably not what mom intended. She probably said, you know, and divide this up with your siblings when I die. But the siblings may have no real recourse against the one that was put on as a co-owner. So I'll tell you out there, if you've done something like that, you might want to consider going back to your child that's a co-owner and asking them, <clears throat> asking them to get off the account, uh, to turn the account 100% over to you. Then either rename them as being an agent on a power of attorney. You typically would fill out a power of attorney card at the bank, uh, appointing them as your agent. Or if you have other assets like a home and investments and things, consider instead setting up a living trust and transferring that account and other things that you own into the ownership of the trust. Then you could actually have that child be a co-trustee with you if you wanted them to handle things. But co-trustee is not the same thing as joint owner or co-owner. It just means you have authority to handle. You don't actually own. And you can't take the money that's not yours and use it for yourself. And I know that that happens all the time. And it causes amazing amounts of property, uh, of rather of, of trouble and, and fighting between siblings after a parent has died. I've seen it regularly in my practice. It's not pretty. And it can lead to the absolute destruction of a family. I've seen it blow families up. I've seen it to where the siblings will have nothing to do with each other. They don't talk to each other and their extended families all take sides and it becomes a big, ugly mess. This is why I do estate planning. It's to avoid the big, ugly mess of trying to do things on your own. And a lot of people do try to do things on their own and regularly end up with a mess. Well, we're coming up on the third break of the show today. When we come back, I will wrap up the show with a few more questions and comments from around California. And then I'll end with one final call to attend my estate planning workshop later this month. This is attorney Bob Bergman. Talk with you after the final show break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. All right, um, I'm going to do a few more questions and comments from around the state here and then wrap up the show for today, uh, going into what hopefully will be a beautiful weekend weather-wise. Uh, out of Rancho Bernardo, uh, someone asked the question, when you've lost your family trust and can't remember the firm's name that produced it, what can you do? Let me f start first by saying that's really a sad commentary that uh, 
<clears throat> that you had a trust created and you don't even remember the name of the attorney that prepared it for you. That's, that's actually pretty sad when you, when you stop and think about it. <clears throat> I'm going to uh, say pretty much what you need to do is you need to figure out you can either start calling around uh, every firm in the city where you think it was. In this in this case, people say they think it was in Rancho Bernardo. Go on the Internet, search for attorneys in Rancho Bernardo, search and see and look at their website, see if they do estate planning is something that they do, and then try calling there. <clears throat> if you are a client of the firm, if they did it for you, they'll be able to confirm that. If they're not, they'll be able to confirm that as well. <clears throat> Second thing is go to the bar association in the county where you live and find out from them if if you're able, if they have a way to post a message to the members of the bar association on their email or their listserv or something like that, asking, did anybody prepare our trust? Here's our names. Beyond that, I can't think of anything else really that you could do. Uh, and, and that's um, that's one of the problems right there <clears throat> is uh, is that uh, if you don't really remember who prepared it, it may be kind of hard to um, hard to actually get something uh, get something or find out um, how to get it replaced or to get a new copy of it, if they have a copy of it even. Uh, many firms don't necessarily even have a copy of the documents you prepared <clears throat> unless you signed them there and they scanned them and stored them electronically. <clears throat> and if you also don't have your will, you really need to have the will redone anyway because you're going to need an original will if it has to be filed with the court. So in this case, these people may need to actually either start over or go to another attorney and have everything redone in order to replace the trust that they lost. <clears throat> I've done that a couple of times in my career where people have actually lost a trust. They've lost their binder or whatever it is. And, um, and in many cases, they never actually put anything titled in the name of the trust. In a case like that, I say, you know what? Let's just start over, <clears throat> pretend that you never had a trust because if you didn't put anything into it, it never really existed in the first place. And then we'll just do an estate plan for you right now, fresh up front. <clears throat> okay, so here's, uh, I think, one more thing I'm going to cover today. Um, what do I do... When I'm in the process of a conservatorship court case and the conservatee dies, the conservatee is the person who is conserved by the court, meaning that's the person whose assets and health care and living conditions are being overseen by another person called the conservator. Um, the court case started in October of 21, has been continued now to June of 2022, but my father died in the meantime. He's died now. Do I still need to go to court? Well, first of all, if your father's died, the conservatorship petition is what's called moot, meaning there is no legal basis for going to court anymore for a conservatorship because the person who is proposed to be the conservatee 
has died. Uh, do I need to notify the court with a death certificate? Will the case be canceled? Well, if you're being represented by attorney, let the attorney know. It's likely that that the case, there needs to be paperwork filed with the court withdrawing the case from consideration. Um, I don't know that you need to tell the court it's because your father died. Um, and related to this is, I'm the sole beneficiary on his trust and my brothers were not on the trust. What do I do about the trust in regards to his house? Who do I notify that I'm now the owner of the house? Well, you now need to administer your father's trust, which means you need to take legal steps to clear his name off the title of the property into your name as trustee of the trust and then likely transfer it out of the trust to yourself as the new owner, maybe considering setting up a trust yourself along the way. Um, be aware, though, that if it's his house and you're living there, you may be eligible for a complete exclusion from reassessment under Prop 19. Um, but that's going to depend on the current value of the property, the assessed value of the property when he died, and whether or not the current value is greater than or less than the assessed value plus a million dollars. So we're coming up on the end of the show today. I want to remind everybody I do have an estate planning workshop coming up again this month, Saturday, April 23rd, 9 o'clock a.m., Silicon Valley Business Center in uh, the Cambrian Park area of San Jose. You can go to lawbob.com, click on Seminars and Workshops for more information, or go to Eventbrite and search for Estate Planning Workshop on April 23rd. I hope to see you there. I just opened registration, so you could register right now if you want to make sure you have your spot. Until next week, this is Attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your State Radio. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com. L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.